Welcome to Instruction Interruption, a podcast to celebrate New Mexico educators from every corner of our beautiful state. I am host Mandy Torres, the 2020 New Mexico Teacher of the Year. Join us as educators talk pedagogy and practice and share a few lessons they have learned along their teacher journey. This podcast is sponsored by the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and is produced in collaboration with the New Mexico Public Education Department. In this episode, we talk with Greg Butts at Albuquerque's Cottonwood Classical Preparatory School. Greg wears many hats as Dean of Students, Director of Communications, and Head of the Social Studies Department. And somehow, he also finds time to teach a couple of classes. His teaching career spans 14 years and has taken him across the globe. Here in New Mexico, he has been part of the Secretary's Teacher Advisory and has served as a teacher liaison. He also is currently working on earning his administrative license. Greg will explain why he is excited about where New Mexico education is headed and will take us back to a time in Egypt where a literal revolution, tear gas and all, changed his teaching. He calls this experience his awakening to social-emotional learning. My students went through something incredibly traumatic. And if I had only really understood that, you know, and and understood that each person had these different anxieties uh, surrounding that same event, I would have just, I think that I would have handled it so much differently. Time to put your pencils down and listen up. We're ready to interrupt your day with one of New Mexico's teacher leaders. Hi, Greg. Thanks for connecting with us. Let's just start out with you telling us a little bit about yourself. You've been a bit of a world traveler and you were lucky enough to land here in New Mexico. So just tell us some of your story. Yeah, so I uh, I was in university and uh, I was at a I was at a pivotal crossroads in my life. I thought I could go into politics or I could go into education. I was getting a, a joint history integrated so integrated um, degree, and I saw an opportunity uh, open up for student teaching overseas. And so I thought, well, that's going to be pretty cool. You know, maybe that will put me. Uh, and a better position to to find a job because uh, I was currently living in Pennsylvania and it's it's pretty competitive to 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 find a to find a job there in the teaching profession and so I ended up uh, uh, student teaching in Hong Kong and uh, I I ended up staying for two more years at a different school I I found out about a job from a person on the train he uh, came running up to me saying we have positions you should apply so that, that's how <laughs> nice. I ended up. Hong Kong. I, I took a I took a, a gap year from uh, teaching in the classroom, where I um, I did some volunteer work in the countries of Jordan and in Thailand, uh, working uh, teaching English to uh, English language learners, and then I ended up in in Egypt for six years. And uh, we decided, my wife and I decided that we we're going to come over here to uh, to the states. I thought I was going to be in Pennsylvania, uh, but I'd started a master's degree here in New Mexico, and I thought, you know what, maybe I could just find a teaching job right here, and that's that's how I ended up in New Mexico. You mentioned Egypt, and I want to go back to this story that you have about students there 
who taught you one of your first lessons about teaching and about the importance of social-emotional learning, which is so important and so relevant right now for our students and teachers who are going through this COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, so um, when I was living in Egypt, there was a uh, there was a revolution, and um, I actually saw five different governments in six years. Uh, we we had um, president uh, he uh, Mohammed uh, sorry uh, Mr. Hosni Mubarak was was there, and uh, the people after 29 years decided that they wanted uh, greater democratic uh, uh, rights, and uh, and he was he was ousted by a, a revolution. And then um, the country just went into to a lot of different turmoil, and we saw another president and, and, and a third. But I remember, I remember the uh, the revolution being a, a traumatic experience for quite a number of my quite a number of my students. And it's it's funny because everybody can go through the same event, but have a totally different lens for how they saw it. Uh, different places, like uh, down in Tahrir Square. Uh, people there were, had students that were was routinely tear gassed in their own apartments in their own in their own houses the, wow. the, the gases would just drift up in there I had some um, I remember getting an email from one of my students that says I just um, I'm communicating to you from the new nation of Zamalek we have we have control of the bridges nobody can come in and out you can take a boat in but uh, we we control all the crossings <laughs> and and wow. so their experience was incredibly docile. But there were other places, like uh, for example, I, I lived um, about five roads away from where a, there was a massive prison and uh, there was a prison break. And so I had some, some of my colleagues from a in different school, uh, they witnessed a shootout on their road, you know, where, where prisoners had, had, had gotten the, the weapons from the guards and they were, they were fire, firing and shooting at the police. And so, it was it was remarkable that everybody had a very different um, different uh, perception of what happened. So uh, it lasted about a month, um, and it, as terms of revolutions go, uh, only about five hundred people were were killed. I think the the military was able to to kind of intervene and step in. But uh, I remember about, it was about a month and a half later. I had scheduled a test uh, to take place. That we went into it over the week, and I scheduled the test, and uh, the revolution kind of threw it off. And so, me and my uh, inexperience said, "Well, when we get back, we'll take a week of review, and then we'll we'll jump back into that test." Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I had all these ki- I had all these students. Uh, so after a week, we went through all the review, and said, "Okay, we need to do this. We, we got to get the data right." And and I had uh, I never forget. There was uh, a whole class of tenth graders who had their own little mini revolution. They they lined up outside the door of my classroom. They just folded <laughs> their arms and said, "We're not going to go in." I had to get the assistant principal and show off the flex the big guns. Everybody did well. On this. It wasn't something that punished them. But as I as I look back, what I know now about what's in in, in uh, education, especially the social emotional learning my students went through something incredibly traumatic. And if I had only really understood that, you know, and, and understood that each person had these different anxieties uh, surrounding that same event, I would have just, I think that I would have handled it so much differently. And so I think that, uh, I think with, uh, with COVID-19, of course it comes at a horrible time you know, politically as we're in an election cycle. 
but it comes at a, an ideal time educationally as we now understand the impact of childhood trauma, we understand the impact of adverse childhood experiences of which New Mexico is tied with Arizona for one of the highest in the country. Uh, we, we, now, we now see the in inequity staring at us um, from our computer screens as we do Zoom meetings. And in fact, uh, it's more jarring who we don't see. And I think that um, I think this is a special time in our country educationally because, you know, now we, we if we were just in our classrooms, we wouldn't see what is now staring at us back in our back from the screens. Now we do. And we need to change. We need to adjust to that. And, and I think that this is there are going to be a lot of unique solutions that come from from this time here in America. What kind of advice do you think you can offer school leaders and other teachers when we come back? What do you think should be happening when, we, when or if we come back in the fall? Well, I'll speak first as an educator and then as an administrator. I think that as an educator, it's, it's really important to understand that, you know, the data that we, that we get, there's, there's a lot of data. You know, there's, there's both testing, reading, and, and, and math data. And, and we, always wanna, we always want our students to demonstrate the core competencies. But I think it's going to be really important that we incorporate these social-emotional check-ins um, throughout the week. Throughout, I, I, and we, I think as educators, we can be quite creative. Uh, because what I've found is that students, when they know that you care for them, they, they respond. And so um, I had a, a former administrator who would always say, uh, they don't know, they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that it, it incorporates so much. I love that. So that's, I think that's the first thing. And as, as, an, as an administrator, I think that it's gonna be very important to do check-ins, not just knowing the, 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 the well-being of, of the students, it's going to be essential to understand the social emotional well-being of the teachers and staff. I think that um, one of the one of the most compelling issues is that teachers leave the teaching profession because they don't feel supported more than financial considerations. Absolutely, is a significant concern, and and above most of these things, it, it comes down to administrative support. Our, our, our admin properly putting in those, um, how, do you have all the instructional support that you need? Do you have the support for uh, behavior strategies, right? Or it's not just discipline, it's, it's that restorative justice. Have, have administration given those tools to the teachers. And then I think the, the, the third part is the climate of the school. I think that if you have a, a, a healthy school community, um, you're gonna see staff and students that, that want and desire to grow. And, and that comes down from administrative support. That's one thing I definitely do worry about is, you know, is losing some teachers over this because of just the stress of it and everything that's been put on them. I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope that our teachers, you know, can stick it out. But you're right. I really do think that when we come back, that support for them is going to be so important, especially for our young teachers, too, who are just starting out. It's already hard to be a beginning teacher and then to have all of this thrown on you. So I'm hoping they stay. If you're listening, please stay. We need you. We love you. <laughs> and, and that's a great point because it does come down to, oh, I mean, I, I remember being a, a first-year teacher and putting in, I'd be going home at 10 o'clock, you know, just trying to, because I was teaching seven different classes in Hong Kong. And, and that was, uh, that, that, there are challenges there. And so it really, 
it really becomes indicative of the administration of a school to pair up teachers early on with a healthy, vibrant um, mentorship. Uh, that's one of the things that um, Carissa Petrie and myself, we, we implemented here at Cottonwood Classical Preparatory School. Uh, we were brought in in the summer about two years ago, and uh, we, we both saw a need for, for greater mentorship and supports at our school. And so I, I was the one who created a lot of the uh, supporting documentation kind of aligned to the former NM Teach, which might still be there. I'm not quite sure. There's a lot of things that they wanted to <laughs> roll here in New Mexico. It's hard to tell where we're at in any of those, but they were all aligned to it because I, 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 I truly believe that uh, teachers need to be affirmed in what they do well. And so if we're gonna be evaluating them on a, a certain document and template, well, then let's use that document um, to, to, to tick off the boxes, right? Show this, what are the resources that you need? And so some of those ideas come from the previous administration here in, in uh, PED, where I was, as a teacher liaison, I did go through some of those trainings and to, to really unpack some of the resources. So there's a lot of support out there for teachers. It's just, if you don't know where to look, you're never going to find it, right? If you don't have a, a thought partner that can help lead you on those things, it's going to be quite difficult to do so. And so here at our school, again, we're, we're, we're starting to implement some of those different structures that are going to be necessary for the changes that are to come. So I want to ask you a little bit about how, you know, how the school systems, I mean, you worked in, in Egypt, um, Thailand, Jordan, how does, how does that compare to what we're doing here? And what kind of things have you brought from there that are kind of helping you be a better teacher and administrator here in New Mexico? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. And I, I, one that I haven't really truly fully flushed out. Uh, being in Hong Kong, I taught in a Canadian school. It was actually a licensed Canadian school uh, where uh, officials from Saskatchewan and Alberta came in and they, they made sure that our curriculum was both rigorous and followed the, um, the blueprints that they, they set forth. And so we needed to be accredited every year. Um, and so being over there, it's just, it was the baptism by fire where I, I, I had to, I had to understand the curriculum. I'm not Canadian. I'm an American teaching Canadian history, which is a lot similar. It's, it's pretty similar. It's just, they're not as controversial. You know? so, <laughs> um, and it's, it, it, it's, that's where, um, it's, it was, it was my first uh, exposure to real curriculum mapping, uh, in Hong, sorry, then in, in Egypt, it was, um, another place where a lot of the professional development, uh, centered around understanding essential questions, formative versus summative, and, and really getting at what are the essential skills. And that goes back to some of the understanding by design, UBD units, um, our school uses a mixture of here in New Mexico, PIDEA and IB, IB approaches, which kind of was, it was, it was a, a good building block for me to understand what are things that students need to know. And so now we, we, if we boil all those experiences from, from, um, from Egypt and from Hong Kong back here in New Mexico, I think that we're, we're at a pivotal time educationally. What, is it that students really need to know? Do they need to know um, every single date historically about a topic? Do they need to, or, or do they need to know skills, right? Do, do my students, do I expect my students to know when the Peloponnesian War was? Or do I expect them to understand 
what are some of the enduring aspects of democracy in Athens? What are some of the things that concepts that were introduced then that permeate and are still here around us today? And I think that if we, if we take that type of approach and we really boil down and, and, and distill what it is that students need to, to know, I think that's gonna be a good starting block to um, not only grab students by introducing concepts that we face today, but by also really making sure that we're teaching the skills behind them. In my school, we use, uh, we use PIDEA strategies, which uses a lot of Socratic seminars, where we're not only looking at a, a text um, and, and trying to extract textual evidence, but we're also trying to bring in our experiences. And so there's a lot of that exploratory learning. There's a lot of that, uh, how do you know what you know? And, and that reflective, the reflectiveness that, that we try to emphasize. At, at my school. So let's go back to SEL for a minute. What are some things that you feel have been most successful for you in building connections and relationships with your students? Oh, that's, that's an awesome question. Um, actually, that, that comes back to some of my own exploratory work comes back to we, we, had a, we had a very traumatic um, incident about three years ago at my school. Um, we, we lost one of our students. We lost one of, you know, to one, of my, one of my sixth graders. And um, there were so many, so many questions abounding in the school. Like, what do we, how, how could this have happened? And um, I remember a group of seniors coming in and sharing, um, they, they're part of the, the RAPS program, which is Risks Assessment Processing System. I think that's out, it's, it's um, what the acronym stands for. And they were presenting data and it didn't go over very well with, with a lot of the faculty. They almost felt like you're saying that things aren't, you know, things that need to be improved in the school. And, and yes, sure, the students could have presented it slightly different, you know, tweak it a bit, but the information was really relevant. And I remember running out after them in the halls. And I, I, I said, guys, 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 I, I, whatever happened in there, I want you to know that that meant a lot for me to hear. And I said, if you ever want to do something about it, I, I want to kindly open up my classroom, my sixth grade advisory, and we can, we can begin to, to share and go through that. And so uh, I talked to a few other senior teachers and, and we, we, got, we got the community together, actually. We got uh, uh, quite a number of um, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade seniors who, who uh, agreed to kind of survey my, my students to, to kind of know what some of their trigger points are, some of the pressures. And then they, it was all student-led. The students created workshops. Uh, and they were anti-bullying and, and some other things that were a part of that. And social emotional, that those are a lot of the things that were encapsulated in it, but it was an authentic experience for the students. And, and what happened is, is that workshops were led and then it, the next year it was expanded out to the entire community. Now, COVID-19 actually prevented us from doing it this year, but it was such a, it was such a holistic experience. And I think that part of it is, is just recognizing the opportunities that are out there you don't know until you know, right? You don't, you don't know what a student is going through until you've taken the time to hear. And, and I, I, I have to check myself in the classroom. Um, the students that were a part of that, I, I remember one student, I, I, I said, he had his phone out in class, if you could 
you know, please place it on my desk. It's becoming a distraction. He went, fine, and threw it down on my desk. Earlier in my years, that might be, okay, it's on. For me, it's, no, no, no. Let's talk out in the hall. Why did that happen? Well, he was getting text messages that a student was, think, was, was, was um, thinking about harming themselves. There are so many different trigger points for these expressions, and it's just knowing where those come from. And I think that that's where we're going to, we're going to be going educationally. I, and I think that you, uh, you, you'd love to talk about uh, Mr. Al, but I think that uh, different resources, if teachers have better access to, to different resources, so they're not reinventing that learning and instructional wheel all the time, I think that's going to free us up to making those meaningful connections, to doing a lot more mentoring and coaching of students, rather than just being the distiller of all the learning that goes on in the classroom. Wow, so I, I'm really excited that you did that. That's amazing, and that, it, and that it's kept going. Was there a defining moment where you said yes to teaching? I know you said that you worked in politics for, for a little bit. Um, so what kind of made you think teaching was gonna be it for you? You know, it's, it's, uh... It's odd. I, uh, I did not want to go into teaching. And it's usually I hear people say, oh, I knew. I was there in my third grade classroom, and I knew I was going to be a teacher. I knew I wasn't going to be a teacher. You know, that's how I felt. <laughs> I, I was interested in politics. I had an internship for Senator Mike DeWine, who became the attorney general, and now he's the governor of Ohio. By the way, uh, they, they reacted almost, I think, the same day that New Mexico did, closing you know, closing up uh, uh, the state uh, to try to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So it's, it's really neat to see different leaders um, in both sides of the, of the aisle kind of acting in the, you know, acting proactively, right? I, 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 thought, I, I thought I was really interested in, in politics, and um, I think I still am. But uh, I, had two, I had two buddies of mine that went on to being in White House interns and uh, um, getting involved in the Bush administration and the other one uh, somewhere else. But I, I thought about that and then, and then I, I realized, you know, I, I think that it's pretty contentious. There's just too much politics in politics. There's just too much back channel, you know, deals and things like that. And all this time I had been um, getting uh, an educational degree on, on the side just in case I could step back into that. Um, and well, actually, that's what quite a number of uh, politicians do when they when they lose election, they go and teach at a community college. So, or you know, that's just what they do. So I, I went in there, and then I thought, you know what, I, I just I want to get into a field that has no politics at all. And so that's how I entered into education. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> politics and education. It's been it's been great, but I think that the. Uh, there was one experience in high school that um, that I was able to lean heavily upon, and uh, my grandfather fought in World War II, and uh, I was assigned a book report, and I decided to do my book report on uh, General George S. Patton, who my grandfather served under in World War II, and instead of just doing a book report, I dressed up as my grandfather, and I made it come alive. I presented, I presented that experience through my grandfather, and I. I, I used the language my grandfather did, and and people said you should become a teacher. I said, no, no, but it was it was that experience base that I I think that 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 it was an idea as a seed that was planted in me, and so those are some of the experiences, and I want to create experience based 
uh, learning within the classroom and as an administrator also create new uh, opportunities for that to happen across the school. You mentioned that you had an opportunity to leave New Mexico, but that you decided to stay because you felt like New Mexico was starting to move in a positive direction. Can you talk about what your vision is for education in New Mexico and the positives that you are seeing happen here? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great question. Back in March, um, well, actually the year before I applied for the School Ambassador, Ambassador Fellowship Program, which is in, uh, in, in D.C., and I applied and they flew me out to, to Washington. I got to go to the Department of Education, uh, pitch some of the ideas like the School Finder application, um, STEM, you know, STEM summer camps. So I think that that's, that's pretty essential, um, especially in, in New Mexico. We, we do have that, um, that summer learning loss, right? And especially uh, families that don't have the opportunities. It, it, it's, it's like a faucet. It, it gets turned off. And, and you, you see that gains are actually lost. And so some of the ideas that I had in, in regards to that were um, to create summer camp. I have a camping background where we can incorporate STEM into summer camps where we don't just see losses, we see fun gains where kids have that camp experience and they also have that targeted instruction. And so those are some of the things that I, I pitched to them um, in DC and, and eight. They loved it. I said, well, would you like to, to be here in DC? They, they invited me to be the DC fellow. And I, it was hard, you know, because, you know, it seems like a great opportunity, but my heart is right now in New Mexico. And I, if I were to take that position, I wouldn't, I would be limiting what I'm able to do here in New Mexico. It would be broader, that broad spectrum or that very targeted approach. And so I think New Mexico is a fantastic state. It just, it's just gorgeous in terms of its geography, the people. We have a very, very rich culture here. And um, I think that what we, and we have a lot of opportunities. I think that we're, we're poised for, for incredible, incredible change. I really do believe that. So I wanted to be a part of that change. I wanted to, 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 to be here and, and uh, perhaps be part of the implementation of some of these systems that are, are coming online and will come online. I wanted to ask you about your YouTube channel that you have started. Yeah. <laughs> Colleagues digitally communicating with coffee. So tell me a little bit about why you started that and what your goal is for that. Cause it, I mean, I watched your episode so far and it looks like a lot of fun and I'm, I'm really glad that your teachers are getting into it too. I, yeah, I started that, um, well, to, 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 to um, step back, I, I, I wear a lot of hats in my school. I run activities, um, a dean of students, there's discipline in there. And I also run our communication channels as a director of communications. And, and so I'd, I'd done new community newspapers, but the, the, probably the most effective medium of communication is, is, through, is through film right now. And I wanted to make sure that I, that I tapped into that. And by the way, just, just an aside for teachers, if you feel like you're not getting a hold of your students by email, have you considered videotaping a message directly to your student? You know, that might be an effective way to, to reach out to them. They may not read through an email you send, but they may watch a video because they know that video 
is for them. So I, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted them, I wanted students to see that teachers were in the same boat. We're going through these same experiences. Uh, so what, I, what I've done is some of them are pre-recorded where I will record a segment and uh, ask them to kind of ham it up and then I'll splice it together. And other times it will be just a sit down in a conversation quite like what we're having right now. But the, but the overall goal is to, to really show the human side of it, right? That we're, we're all in this together. And I think that that's, that's, again, it keeps coming back to the social emotional. We are all going through these same experiences together. Every teacher across the state is experiencing the same type of issues, technological, student engagement, all, we're all experiencing the thing, same thing. So it's, it's that common empathy that we're building. And that's, that's the, the purpose of it. I wanted to tap into it. I wanted to do it in a way that was funny, was uplifting, and that students could, students and teachers could have a ball just watching them. I'm curious about what you think about going forward. You know, is this online learning, these types of things? Do you think we should be incorporating more of that? Should it be kind of like a hybrid? You know, because now we have these teachers who have started finding these skills and these resources. What are your thoughts on moving forward with continuing with some of this technology and online-based learning? Um, it's hard because we don't have the we don't have the infrastructure currently in place. You know, uh, teachers, and that's one. Of, I also run a head. Of, you know, I also run a department, and one of the things that I, I heard in my my department meeting yesterday was this this overwhelming feeling we have never been trained in this. And, and that's the reality. Uh, we we were, were forced, you know, it, it, we need to adapt, right? It's sometimes, we're not often uh, have the power to choose what type of situation we're gonna be in, but we do have the power to respond, right? How we, how we choose to respond. And so um, it's, it's gonna be, we're, we're gonna need more infrastructure. Uh, learning management systems. I think that schools might adopt a more robust system that can meet all the needs that they that their communities have. Uh, hybrid learning model that that might be the the wave of the future. And how I kind of see it unfolding, a class goes down from anywhere from twenty six to thirty six students to fourteen sixteen, where one day you're going to be able to give more targeted instruction to those students, more didactic, the things that they need to know, maybe the coaching in class. And then the other day that they're not there, they're gonna go and they're gonna take that and they're gonna work on a project and they're going to un unpack it. I think that we have an opportunity to, to do that, you know, where we can, we can do both. We can be very specific in our instruction and then we can create the opportunity for for students to be more exploratory and, and be more driven. Uh, perhaps even give more opportunities for students to choose the specific, the specific path of what they're gonna be focusing on. So for in our IB program, students choose, you know, that in that uh, 11th and 12th grade, they choose the concentration that they want. And we can, we can provide, even, even in a district or traditional school, we can provide more student selection and I think that that could be even more meaningful but the most important thing is we need to make sure that we have that human component so coming to school on those days that check-in that's where teachers can need to be even more targeted this could force us to be even more effective in our approaches not just 
in New Mexico, but nationally. And so it'll be exciting to see how this gets, this gets implemented or how it unfolds. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Any thoughts about what's happening now or your vision or anything else that you want to add? Uh, no, I just wanted to give a few shout outs to uh, some of the incredible educators in the state. Um, I'm finishing up my degree um, MBA ed from the uh, Anderson School of Management. Um, and I'm surrounded by a cohort of some of the most incredible, passionate educators in the state. And I'm so excited to, to work in collaboration with them. Uh, we created a Zoom chat where I was listening to their specific, their specific strategies moving forward. Some of them have uh, very, very much so gamified approaches within the classroom. Others have a community school out, you know, outlook. Some of them have, you know, STEM, STEM diners and things of that nature. I, I just, I think that collaboration is the key to the future. I think that knowing what another school does, I think that's going to be very useful. I think that uh, working in partnership with other educators, we're not alone, but we can adopt different models that, that we see ahead of us. So I'm really excited to see those things unfold here in this state. Um, I also want to give a shout out to quite a number of the staff at my school. You just are incredible educators. Really, really. I mean, you make, you make coming to work a, a joy at, at Cottonwood because uh, you are all so very, very passionate about your craft. And then I also just want to shout out my, my students and uh, the community. I come to school every day because of you. Well, I can't come to school every day now because of COVID, but I put out the videos because of you. I, I, think, about, I think about you often and I love the Zoom meetings and I, lo I love, love um, uh, interacting with, with all of you. So I, great things are in store for us here in New Mexico. I believe it. I believe great change is, is on the horizon. Great things are definitely on the horizon. Thanks for joining us, Greg. And thank you to the NNPED and AMOGA for its sponsorship. Next time, our teacher talk takes us to Rio Rancho with middle school educator Kelly Pierce. She'll share how she went from reporting on education to becoming a teacher focused on showing her students what the world has to offer them. This is Instruction Interruption. May your summer break start peacefully and your planning be innovative and inspiring. Thanks for listening.